1: going on everybody? Here we are with the DFS pregame show. It's a lovely Thursday morning. Uh, I know some of you guys are probably up sweating your golf lineups as um, myself and Devin are, but you know, the NBA doesn't stop going. So a little bit of a uh, down night for me last night, but we'll be able to go over some of the things uh, from last night. Talk about some ownership, some play and talk about tonight's games as well. I think we, th- we got a four game slate, so shouldn't be a whole lot to cover on tonight's front, but yeah, it should be a good show. Uh, thanks for joining me. Make sure to uh to pop in chat, say hello, talk about anything that you might want to bring up. I'll try to answer as many questions as I can, hit on as many topics as you guys want me to. You know, you know, with the four games, probably a little bit more time to talk about some things that you that you guys want to hear about, some questions that you guys want answered. And as always, if you could please remember to hit that like, hit that subscribe button. That way, you guys are always staying up to date with everything going on on the YouTube front with Roto-Grinders, I would, I would very much appreciate that. Got to get those likes up, got to get those subscriptions up so I have some uh, bragging rights over guys like Mangone and Tuttle and and all that good stuff. So, yeah, make sure you guys uh, are active in chat for this one. I'm going to be looking in the uh, Discord chat, the NBA chat and Discord, as well as the YouTube chat. So um, keep that in mind. I'm pulling those up right now, and I'll be, uh, I'll be following along with those guys. And we're going to hop right into uh, the results DB from last night. Get that going right now. I'm um, looking at some ownership. We're gonna start at the top. You know, Demar Derozan, 70% average ownership uh, across all of these main contests. That I have pulled up. I have, I believe, five contests pulled up. One's a a cash contest. The rest are you know various different uh, buy uh, buy-ins. So 70% from Derozan, not very surprising at all. Uh, You know, you take away Aldridge, uh, he gets pretty massive boosts. So I, I definitely agree with with that. I had. Uh, Derozan to into my main lineup on FanDuel, as we'll get to later. Um, and then Jacoperto comes in at second. That was actually a little bit surprising to me, considering we did get news that he wasn't gonna be starting. Uh, I know that it was after some of these some of these games locked, but uh, I believe it was still prior to the Spurs lock, so with a little bit of time to spare actually. so a little bit surprised to see him coming around 70 percent. I still think he overall wasn't you know a bad play by any means, um considering his price and the kind of uh, kind of kind of role kind of spot that he was gonna be in but I don't think he quite matched up to some other guys. Um, you know, I think if we maybe get that news before seven, we see a guy like Bismack Biambo maybe get more ownership. I know his game locked at seven, so maybe that was one thing that could have possibly changed. But, um, yeah, overall, I, I still think Pearl was going to have some ownership. I'm surprised that – I'm just more surprised that more people didn't pivot off of it. You know, you look based on the contest, and, you know, even when you look at the the higher dollar stuff, you know, he's still very – Uh, Very highly owned. So 73% in the highest dollar buy in here. So, you know, people were still on him. Sharp people were on him uh, across all contests. So I still think he was a strong play. Was surprised to see that ownership be that high. You know, 70% is definitely an extremely high mark. So to be over there um, at that kind of mark, I do think that was a little bit high just based on the news that we had gotten. But um, I, I don't think it was bad by any means. Luca and James Harden coming in pretty highly on you know with all the value on the slate it was pretty easy to get one or even two of these guys in your lineups um so I think uh I think with that news even with the permanent those people were keeping him in the lineup in order to get two studs such as Luca and James Harden in your lineups um I I, I personally went Luca in my lineup last night as well didn't have any Harden um didn't have any Westbrook either I actually left Westbrook as my um stud I was probably not gonna play in the expert survey. So that did not pan out very well. But um, you know, you can't you can't play all the studs. So for me, I, I usually narrow it down between one or two, especially when for me last night I only had one lineup. So I had to make tough decisions and I just went with Luca. Thought it made the most sense considering you know I was gonna have based on the guys that I liked from the Spurs. I was gonna have two to three Spurs in my lineup because I also like Trey Lyles as well. So, with, with, with considering that, I was gonna have possibly three Spurs. I figured Luca was a guy that made made a lot of sense. You know, I thought you know if that game stays close, competitive, could be a good spot for all those guys. And uh, so, yeah, I went Luca as my top stud of the night last night. So, yeah, then we talked about a guy who I mentioned a little bit, Bismack Biyombo, thirty six percent average ownership. Um, you see his ownership in the the smallest buy-in contest at 22%, 23% in these two contests here, but in the, the higher dollar contest, he has he's at 41%. So, clearly as you go up in stakes, Bismack Biombo was a guy that um, people were on as you went up in stakes in those contests. So, um, I think he was a really good play. Uh, I, I wish I would have pivoted to him myself, but I kind of, I was playing, playing a FanDuel last night, I, I locked on DePertl, um pretty early in the day, and I guess I, I probably should have wavered, uh, especially considering he was going to be essentially a, a similar play. It was actually cheaper on Fanduel at much lower ownership. He came in, I think, at like three percent on Fanduel, so or five percent of Fanduel, something like that. With Portal, obviously, soaking up the majority of the ownership at that position, where you only have to play one center. So um, that was a, a move that I should have made in hindsight, um, and even pivoting to a guy like like Jang. Could have been something to do um, rather than stick with Pirtle. Obviously, it didn't pan out, mostly because, you know, they started Lonnie Walker over him. They kind of went with a smaller lineup. So, obviously, that doesn't help. But uh, in hindsight, that was a move that I should have at least considered. Uh, all right. Darryl Saric, 35% ownership. That was a lot higher than I would expected. I did think that he was going to be a pretty popular play once he got announced uh, the starter it got announced to start pretty early in the day. So that probably helped him pick up some steam. I think he was a, a fine play 35% on Booker was very interesting. You know, if you're playing on FanDuel, uh, he was five to 6% in the contest over there, 35% on, on DraftKings. So um, the pricings weren't, you know, that much different. He was eight one on FanDuel seven, nine, I believe on DraftKings. So um, it's pretty much just based on line of construction and the site. So 35% of DraftKings was definitely a lot higher than if you played on Fanduel. I had him in my main lineup on Fanduel, didn't pan out obviously, but he was 6% over there. So you know, whenever I can get a, a Devin Booker with rates that are you know more increased than normal with Kelly Oubre out at 6% ownership, I know it's a tough matchup going against the Clippers, but you gotta you gotta take a, ch- a shot somewhere. I think he was a a good option there for to be contrarian. Surprised to see his ownership be as high as it was on DraftKings. Uh, just looking at a couple other notables, Al Horford, 18%, obviously uh, got a little bit of a boost with Al, with uh, Joel Embiid. He knocked out of that game with a shoulder injury. He didn't return, so Horford got up to a, a hot start and then didn't really look back too much with uh, Embiid not returning to that game. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's too many surprising ownership things. Me and Stevie talked about Shabazz Napier on the Morning Grind podcast, and we, we both said we didn't like him. And then they announced that he was going to be starting. I still didn't get on to Shabazz Napier considering, you know, you only get two point guard spots over on FanDuel. So I didn't really have a whole lot of interest there uh, in Shabazz Napier. But I get it. I get why the ownership was there because, you know, he was announced the starter once again. So uh, that one makes sense. But, you know, Josh Jackson, 14% over here on DraftKings on FanDuel, he was like 50% owned. So that's another, another difference based on site alone. I know he's a little bit more pricey on DraftKings. I think he was four five on DraftKings when he was min, min salary on FanDuel. So uh, that does make that does make some sense there. Kiris LeVert, obviously, he was a you know one of the guys that broke the slate last night. Nine percent ownership, sixty two points. He's a little bit higher owned on FanDuel as well because you know different pricing. He was seven five on DraftKings, uh, six five on FanDuel. So big game. I played Dinwiddie over him. I don't. Ever really play those two together? You know, not oftentimes. You're gonna get a ceiling game from both of them, and uh, I knew Levert was gonna have some ownership on Fanduel, so I played Dinwiddie over Levert. Obviously, didn't go too well for me, but you no, know, I think they're both really good plays. I just typically would not play those two together very often, and you know, we see last night was a Levert game, so that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for ownership. We'll sort by project or for fantasy points and see if there's any standouts. Obviously Trey Young was a guy who I talked about not really liking too much on the morning grind. Um the ownership kind of followed me, you know, you know, where I followed the ownership. I agreed with the ownership, whatever however you want to put it. Just, you know, it was a tough matchup against Orlando. Four percent ownership had a had a big game. Um but, you know, I think oftentimes I'm playing Luca over the over over Trey Young in that situation. You know, playing even Russell Westbrook, I think there's just a lot of a lot of reasons that have not gone to Trey Young, and even though he'd have a big game. I think the 4% ownership makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's see if there's any other big games that popped out. Jason Tatum was the guy that I talked about in the expert survey. Uh, I liked his matchup. The Utah Jazz are a team that I've been talking about a little bit in those expert surveys. I think I've mentioned them twice over the past like month or so. Um, they're just not as good defensively as they were over the last two years over the last two years they were second and then first in defensive efficiency this year they're 12th so obviously 12th isn't bad by any means but it's a pretty significant drop and you know when you add Bogdanovich and ingles to your your starting lineup and the, the one of those guys are your power forward you're gonna suffer a little bit on the defensive end you know mitchell's not a good defender conley is not the defender he once was so um yeah, that Utah Jazz defense is definitely not as good as it as it has been over the over the past couple of years. So big game for Tatum last night. He actually had like 30 at halftime, and I think he finished with like 33 or something like that. Um so he could have even had a bigger game, but he kind of slowed down in the second half. All right. So if you guys have any questions about last night's ownerships or, you know, some strategy from last night, pop those in either the NBA Discord chat or the YouTube chat, and I'll get to those. As I'm kind of scrolling along here, uh, if that if, if that'll be all for last night's stuff, if you guys have any strategy you, you want to talk, we can talk about that. If not, we can hop on to the uh, the injury stuff for today. So I'll try to I'm trying to look back and see if you guys have any questions. Actually, while while we do that, we can pull up my FanDuel lineup, and you guys can see how bad of a lineup I built last night. Devin can pull that up for me, and um, we can go over that. I'm going to pull it up as well so I can see it. So, yeah, like I mentioned, I went Luca and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Dinwiddie obviously didn't pan out. You know, he just never really got going. Great matchup against Washington. The game was close the whole way. Uh, obviously thought he would do a lot better than he did. He kind of struggled. Mentioned DeRozan. Mentioned Devin Booker. He was 6% in the majority of the contest, 5 or 6%. And, you know, he, had, he has a double-double in this one, 10 assists. But, you know, he just didn't really do much. No other peripherals, no stocks. And, you know, only scored 14 points, so pretty bad game for him. Uh, I went Josh Jackson. I didn't really want to, but I – because I knew he was going to be chalky, but he just kind of fit the mold of this lineup. 14 points, you know, obviously isn't great, but at 3,500, I don't think he necessarily killed me. I think what killed me was, you know, getting a guy like Jared Allen in there, having him and Spencer and we both – you Know, do so poorly. That was the, the tough one. Jared Allen was frustrating too because I kind of made it a priority to get him in my lineup. I went out of my way to get him in my lineup. I like the matchup that he was going to be in. I thought they would give him more minutes over DeAndre Jordan, which just wasn't the case at all. DeAndre Jordan actually ended up having a pretty solid game. Um, you know, I think if Jared Allen gets 28 27 minutes in that game, uh, he probably has a better outcome in, in a spot against the Wizards, but it didn't happen. And obviously Pirtle announced that non the non-starter after lineups locked on FanDuel. So that concludes my lineup. I didn't even break 300 last night. So, you know, these days you got to put up 400 to even really contend. And I didn't, I didn't even touch 300. I don't think last night. So uh, not a great for me, but you know, four game slate should be, you know, a fun one. I know we have some things to talk about. Yeah. Allen did have some foul trouble, but, um, But even in the first half, you know, we saw – I think Jordan had 13 minutes while Jared Allen had, I think, 9 or 10. So, um, you know, foul trouble happens. But still, when you're you're losing that many minutes and Jordan played well in the second half, he just wasn't getting back out there too much. Um, But, yeah. Any questions, you guys, about last night? I will – yeah, Allen is going to be – Allen is always going to be consistent because he really relies on the different rotations that they want to roll out against the opposite team. Um, so obviously he's one of one of the guys that his minutes aren't as uh, consistent and aren't as solidified because they do have DeAndre Jordan right there that they could give the majority of the minutes to any given night. And we've seen them do that. You know, if they have a bigger lineup that they're rolling out against, they'll let Jordan play a few, a few extra minutes, but yeah. All right, we're going to move on to uh, the injury report here, talk about today's games a little bit. Four-game slate with some, some pretty significant injuries. So right at the top, you see that we got Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, and LeBron all ruled out already. So um, that's going to be you know three big names right there. Joel Embiid, I would be surprised to see him play. Uh, apparently sprained his shoulder last night. Didn't return last night, so I'd be really surprised to see him play in this one. So those are four big names that are all either out or, I guess, likely doubtful. If if we're talking about Embiid, so for the for the Sixers, you know we see Josh Richardson and probably Matisse Thybul step into the starting lineup, or Josh Richardson in the start, starting lineup, but taking on like a massive amount of minutes. We see uh, Al Horford rejoin the starting lineup. Horford and Richardson and Tobias should be pretty popular plays tonight. But, um, guys like Shake Milton, Diebold, as you can see, as uh, Alan Lem has noted here in the situation room, they should, you know, at least take on increased roles. Shake Milton played, I think, 37 minutes last night. They could easily go away from that. They could give, you know, a guy like Alec Burks minutes, they could give Cork more minutes. They can do a lot of different things, but he's going to be starting again, I would assume. Um, I it's all going to depend on what they do with the starting lineup, but I would assume he's going to be starting with Richardson, Diable, Horford and Tobias. So, uh, he could uh, honestly be in a, in another spot where he's going to play mid thirties minutes. So, yeah. So once we got news a few minutes before tip, what would I have done if I didn't have portal in the center spot? Um, Right, so yeah, I think I think going to Lonnie Walker could have been done, and going to per I think part of the reason why Pirtle, the ownership stayed where it was, was because there once that that news already happened, you were really forced to redo your whole lineup, and and that in that case, a lot of people are just gonna stay where they were, stay put. Um, so I would have to look. I would have to go back and look at guys from last night that locked after eight o'clock or whatever it was. But yeah, I would say that um, I know I know um, Lonnie Walker would probably be a good pivot in that spot. You know, going to the guy starting there. If you had the money for Lyles, I know he's a little bit more than Pertle, But yeah, like I mentioned, that's why Pirtle remained one of the one of the top own ownership plays in terms of highly owned guys. So um, not a lot of pivots to be made there, and then you had to rework your whole lineup. And that's kind of why we saw that number stay. So I think it depends on where you were uh, in terms of. How much money you had left on the table and, and movements you wanted to make, but you know I didn't really have that choice with uh with me being on Fanduel. All right, let's see if there's any other inter- uh, injuries that we can talk about here. Uh, Oladipo questionable. He, you know, we honestly don't know if he's going to play or not. He's, you know, was obviously out for a while with the whole rehab with his with his leg and whatnot. Uh, now he comes back and injured his back. If he if he is out again, I think could go to either one of the holidays for a nice little value piece here. And I don't think they'll be too popular. So I think the holidays could be interesting there. Rashawn Holmes out again. Harry Giles, who has just been stepping into that starting center role. And as long as we're going to give him minutes, he's going to continue to crush, you know, and he's only the pricing on him isn't anything outrageous yet. So we just I think he's uh, gonna be another good play. Nilakina should be you know i feel like i feel like Melikina always has a groin injury or a hamstring injury or something like that he's kind of like john ross in the nfl so if he if he's out once again um i for payton is back so i don't think dennis smith will have too much of a of a huge role so i probably just kind of leave that as a wash if you guys have any questions about uh some of these injuries or how how they'll affect tonight or my thoughts on them shoot those in the uh in the either the Discord or the YouTube chat, I'll get to those. But until then, we're going to jump into the in lineup HQ, see if we can uh take a look at some some tags, some ownerships, some projections, and whatnot. We'll try to get a look out look at them all. All right. So yeah, here we go. We're gonna go right into the core plays let's look at, let's look, see what it means he's got here he's got anthony davis tobias harris l Horford, and rondo tagged as core plays i think those are four pretty uh solid core plays i think everyone's gonna be on those guys for the most part um obviously with no lebron davis and rondo could be really strong plays uh someone asked thoughts on kuzma today for gpps i think he could be you know viable especially on a four-game slate where uh, you, you want to get a little bit different currently projected at two percent ownership um, he, I would be a lot more confident in him if the Lakers didn't pick up Marquise Morris. Obviously those, those would be minutes that could potentially go to, to Kuzma. Um, the minutes have just been so up and down for Kuzma. It's really hard to trust, but for GPPs, it makes sense. Uh, someone asked, you don't think Furkan Korkmaz starts over Thibault? I don't think so. Just because last night, uh, Thibault started the second half. So that could obviously have been just a game low type thing last night but uh and they could go cork mods i wouldn't be surprised but um based on last night going eyeball to start the second half makes me think that he's going to be in the starting lineup here and we, we've seen him be in the starting lineup for mb previously throughout the year so um it could go either way but i, I would lean eyeball right now um someone wants to see who the chalk is so we're going to take a look at the ownership projections here uh, th- these are for Fanduel right now. I'll, I'll pop back and forth between Fanduel and DraftKings. Um, but number one, Anthony Davis, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, Tobias Harris and CJ McCollum tie for two. I'm surprised to see McCollum's ownership be so high. I mean, I guess on a four-game slate, people probably will have to pay this 8.8k price tag. But he's pretty pricey on DraftKings too. Uh, you know, 9k over there. So the ownership's a little bit lower on him, but still 36%. People are willing to pay this price tag on him. I think they uh, are just kind of seeing what he's been doing without Lillard of the last two games or last three games even really. So, and, you know, he, I think he's definitely a strong play. It's just about if you believe in his upside with that price tag. Some other chalk, Rondo being chalk is somewhat interesting. Uh, I do think he's going to jump into the starting lineup, but, these these minutes with Rondo are never, they never feel comfortable with me, especially, you know, even when he's going to be popular and even with LeBron out, um, I just always feel weird about Rondo's minutes because they just have neglected to give him minutes uh, consistently in, in the past. I know he has gotten them when LeBron has been out and in, in previous games, but they can, they can spread out their minutes elsewhere. They, they've been playing Caruso a lot with, with Davis and with LeBron. So golly, Caruso could be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe him take on more minutes and take some away from Rondo. I do think Rondo's going to start. And I do think he is overall a solid play, but 50% ownership. um, I just feel like a weird feeling in my stomach playing Rondo at 50% ownership. Uh, Just don't feel great about what, what, how consistent his minutes are going to be. Obviously I feel better about them with uh, LeBron off the floor but you know, still don't feel great about him. They've done a lot of up and down things with his minutes. Uh, are you fading AD in any of your lineups tonight? Uh, I I usually only do one lineup on a slate with you know only four games or so, and I would I would assume that I'm going to have him in there. I think it's just way too good of a spot. Obviously, you know it's 11:30, things could change, so I don't want to give you a, a guaranteed answer right now. But as of now, I totally plan on having AD in my lineup. Um, I think he's definitely the top stud, the top pay up option, honestly. Uh, Seth asks, in general, do you typically try to run back players for correlation or do you typically just build and then try to get different with pivots? Um, I think it just depends on the type of player that I'm, I'm rostering. So for example, I, I, I've been trying not to go out of my way to correlate if I feel like I don't need to in certain spots. Because I feel like oftentimes I'll I'll go out of my way to find correlation where in in NBA sometimes it's just not necessary. You know, you can have a, a lineup that's pretty uncorrelated in NBA, and I think you can still do really well in, in GPPs. Because overall, I think it's mo- mostly about having the lineup with the most value and the most uh, generated points. So obviously, there's just less correlation in NBA than there is in other sports like NFL or MLB. So I, I think. When I'm trying to run it back with other players, I'll, I'll definitely consider it. So for a guy like, like Anthony Davis, you know he's he's ten eight. If this game blows out, he's probably not going to get there. So it does make sense to have maybe a, a warrior that could contribute to keeping the game close. And that's when I try to use correlation to run it back. But other than that, I don't think you you know I, I try not to do it anything more, more than that. I think that's kind of where I where I. Stick with. It. I mean, I'll do game stacks here and there. The more the smaller the slate is, the more likely I am to game stack, obviously. But, um, I think what I would do is, is kind of look at it that way to just kind of contribute to guys maximizing ceiling based on how close the game's going to be. So Anchor asks, if stacking sixers, do you play a Nick? So I, I was thinking about this last night. I, I don't think you have to because just looking at, you know, um, the pricing on these Philly guys, you know, Horford, shake, Milton, Richardson, even if you don't play Tobias, these guys are all too cheap. Like they're all just incredible values based on their price tag. Um, By the way, shake Milton, I think is a a guy I would rather play than Rondo. And, you know, he's almost a direct pivot, just a little bit more than Rondo. Um, So, yeah, I don't think you need to, especially if like, so here's a perfect scenario of where I'm not trying to force somebody in. If there was a guy that I liked here, uh, or a guy that I, you know, had thought had some upside, I would definitely not have a problem with it. I think if I had to, um, one guy I would pick is is Mitchell Robinson here. I, I don't think he's going to carry much ownership. It's a four game slate. Uh, center is center's got a couple options, but it's it doesn't. I don't think it has one clear cut option. So maybe he has you know significant upside. We've seen him obviously have two big games back to back. So I think Mitchell Robinson would be a guy that I could I could run it back here with, but I don't. I just don't see going Randall when you have uh, Anthony Davis and Al Horford on the slate. Uh, you know, on FanDuel on DraftKings, it could be different. Randall could be someone that you go to, but I think I'd prefer Mitchell Robinson. But I don't think you need to run it back with a Nick here in this particular scenario, just because of how how cheap the Sixers are. So I think I would rather um, go out of my way to find somebody, you know, on on the Warriors to run it back with Anthony Davis in hopes that that game stays close. Uh, is Kyle Kuz a lock? Um, I don't think he's a lock by any means. I th- like I mentioned earlier, I think his minutes, a lot like his minutes are just they're just not guaranteed by any means. You know they can give minutes to, especially now considering that they kind of announced that they want to get him into a role where he can play the three. So they bring in Morris. Uh, he's going to take away minutes. They have guys like Danny Green, Andrew Bradley on the wing, KCP to take away minutes from him directly now because he's not going to be getting as many minutes at the four. He's not playing any minutes at the five anymore, like he was last year. So you know, it's his minutes just aren't guaranteed. If he gets going, um, he's a guy that a is going to shoot when he's on the floor, and b if he you know gets hot, they're going to let him out there and they're going to let him shoot. But um, that's just not guaranteed. So I don't think he's a lock by any means, but I do think he has some appeal for tournaments. But that, like on Fanduel, for example, this you'd be pivoting off of um, Al Horford, and then you're at a point where you're playing both Kuzma and Anthony Davis. So, you know, how, how much do you li- like that? I, I think you can play those two together. I don't think that's a problem, but when you only can play two of them on, on Fandle, do you like doing that? Uh, that's just going to be a personal question, I guess. Uh, looking at some ownerships on DraftKings, you know, the top three, top four, top five are all pretty similar. Um, the, the the big difference in DraftKings ownership is we're going to see a, a few guys on at center with ownership so we got white side 30 percent turner 25 percent um, horford 46 percent and davis 63 percent four guys that are 25 percent more or or higher on DraftKings that are center eligible obviously you can't really do that on Fanduel. you only get to play one center so that's a huge difference over there you'd rather play mark keith than kuzma yeah i think i i think i would still rather play kuzma i feel better about his minutes in the early on of you know Marquise Morris just just getting with the team and whatnot, but you know on DraftKings look at this price you know you get eight hundred bucks difference, you're just taking on less risk when you pay pay less for a player. So I get that decision totally. I mean I think both of these guys do have the opportunity to potentially be good value plays, but yeah it's tough it's tough to decide because I don't really love either of them. I think I would lean Kuzma if I had to choose though. Shake over Rondo, yeah. So I think that's something that I would definitely consider, especially if ownership is going to be significantly lower on Shake Milton. So let's check the DraftKings ownership real quick. Um, we're going to go by smash percentage, because yeah, they'll be at the top. So okay, so Rondo is a lot cheaper than Shake Milton on DraftKings. So this makes this makes sense um, on FanDuel, though. I think I would prefer Milton, um, pretty pretty unanimously over Rondo, especially considering the ownership. You know, Milton's going to have lower ownership on FanDuel. I believe yeah, 18% ownership on FanDuel while Rondo is, you know, up there around 50 for on both sites. So on DraftKings, I get it. You know, you save more money. You say you're saving $1,200, but on FanDuel, I think I prefer Milton for sure. And then on DraftKings, if you have the money, I like getting to Milton if, if possible. How many points does Davis need on DraftKings to be necessary? Um, well, you know, it's just going to depend on. That's a good question because it depends on what your what bar you're setting for players in in NBA DFS. So for them to be necessary, you know, you're probably saying at least six x. And nowadays, you might even set that bar to be even higher. You know, with the with scores being so high these days, oftentimes I'm looking for players to hit seven x. Uh, and sometimes when they're when it's a value play, I'm looking for them to hit eight x. Uh, so it all depends on that bar, but obviously, you know, if he puts up 70 and you don't have him, your lineup's probably toast because he's going to be popular and he's going to, you know, if he puts up 70, he's near seven X. So I would say, you know, there's no no typically necessary number, but if you don't have him and he puts up 70, you're probably not doing too well. And even, you know, even 65, I I think it's going to be, it would be tough to catch up to that just because of how popular he's going to be. On FanDuel, do you like Brogdon at point Yeah, I like Brogdon a lot. I like him more if um if Oladipo sits. So he's fifty nine hundred over there, I think, on Fanduel. Let me check the DraftKings price tag. 7-3 on DraftKings. Wow. Uh yeah, so I probably don't play him a whole lot on, on DraftKings. On FanDuel, 5'9. I like him a lot. You know, I I think he is my number one point guard over there. I I did a quick little list before and I have him listed as my number one point guard just based on, you know, quick factors or whatnot, quick decisions that I made before the show. But um, yeah, I like him a lot. And on DraftKings, that price tag is so high that it's almost interesting because nobody's going to play him. So you're paying up for a guy who you're basically paying up for a guy just so that you're the only one to play him really. Or not the only one, but you're paying up to be. You know and a smaller group of people that are playing him, and obviously, it's a really good matchup for him. And if we see a spot where you know, Oladipo's out, usage could be higher. Last game I only played 24 minutes because they beat Charlotte by like 75 points or something like that. So, yeah, I like Brogdon a lot. Uh, I saw someone ask about my favorite tournament options for the warriors so we're going to go to the warriors right now and we're going to sort by smash percentage damian lee number one at smash percentage i like him a pretty good amount um he's not going to carry very much ownership on either site so that's interesting the minutes have been really solid 30 34 28 over the last three games since the all-star break so yeah i like him a pretty good amount i like marquis chris as well um you know center on drafting is a little bit different because you can play like any other power forward or, or whatever, because you can play essentially anybody at power forward or center, it seems on DraftKings. Uh, on FanDuel, it gets a little bit more interesting based on ownership and whatnot. Um Whiteside's on the slate. We've got Steven Adams who's just been killing it on the slate. Um and then Chris, I think Chris is probably a guy I like a lot. I mentioned Mitchell Robinson earlier. Um I think he's someone to at least consider in tournaments. And then Hassan Whiteside I think even in a tough matchup to see what his ownership is gonna fall at for center position. But I think if I had to rank those three right now, I would go Whiteside, Chris, and then Robinson. Um thirty percent or thirty eight percent ownership on Fando, so looks like he's gonna be the most popular center of the night. Could you play Noel instead of Kuzma? Um yeah I think you can. I think essentially you're you're, you're playing two guys that could play the same amount of minutes and Noel is you know uh, not, not a lot better per minute, but he's definitely a good permanent guy, um, and he does have the upside for more minutes if we see, you know, maybe Adams get in foul trouble or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think you can do that for sure at three three. The only thing is you only can play him at a center on on DraftKings, and then on FanDuel you'd have to either get get rid of Davis or Horford. So if you want to do that, I, I totally get that the adams price go up he's at six eight now his price went up on fanduel for sure six nine i think it went up a little bit on DraftKings, but it went up more on fanduel so he got a little bit of a, of a bump for sure not worried about chris versus tough lakers interior i actually like that because i think that they'll be more um reluctant to go small so you know in the past a like, couple weeks or so that's when we've seen chris really really fail um is when they go small. So against Houston, he only played 18 minutes because they had to go. Well, they didn't have to, but they decided to go small. Um, 25 minutes against Sacramento. So when when they when they're forced to kind of roll him out there against you know bigger lineups, bigger teams, the minutes feel a little bit safer. So I l- I like him um, when when this happens. Actually, all right. If there's any other questions, I'll get to those. If not, we can uh, take a look at some court IQ stuff. I know we have, like I mentioned, 1,500 stars injured today. Even though it's only a four-game slate, um, so we can go through. We'll we'll talk about Philly first, and then I'll I'll look back in the chat as I'm pulling these up. If you guys have any questions about Lineup HQ or any other tools that you want to see on Roto Grinders, let me know if you uh if you want to see those. I will show you those as long as I get a couple likes, couple subscriptions to the YouTube channel. Um, I got Devin cheering me on trying to get me some likes over here so um yeah make sure you guys can hit that like button for me please if you do not mind uh it's been a great time joining you on the pregame show i hope everyone's golf lamps are doing well i haven't been able to check mine in uh the past 30 minutes so hopefully i don't have any more players that are plus three like justin rose i probably do though so yeah uh taking a look at this Joel and beat off and where's ben simmons i'm blind all right ben simmons off So, Josh Richardson, 26% usage rate, 0.81% uh, fantasy point per minute. This is over, you know, 200-minute sample size. Um, I would actually expect Josh Richardson, although the fantasy point per minute doesn't look great, um, he does get a boost just because of how many how many minutes he plays without. So, obviously, we see um, some movement here. Al Horford gets the biggest bump. Shake Milton gets a similar bump, plus 0.16. Corkmaz plus 0.15 Tobias Harris 0.14. And then Josh Richardson actually loses some, but you know, that could easily be just due to bad shooting or whatever it may be. Um, I don't think it has anything to necessarily contribute directly to those two being off the floor. It's probably just a little bit of the sample and overall, I just think he gets a boost because he's playing more minutes. He's just going to play a ton of minutes with those guys off the floor. So Richardson, Harris, Milton Horford are all in play. Corkmaz and Burks are playable. In, in tournaments, I think, you know, we only saw Burks play 17 minutes. Last night was probably a game where we could have seen him play more. So I think last night with the game being close and then still deciding to go shake Milton showed a little bit, uh, just they showed a little bit of their hand of that's who they're going to go to in, in close games. Uh, Amberino asked how many guys of, of those guys that she sent in the screenshot, I believe those are all core plays what I have in a lineup and looking at those right now, I would probably have all four of the, all oh, And CJ McCollum included as well. I'd probably have four of those guys in my lineup. I think those are all really strong plays and that's why they're getting those, those tags. Whenever you see a bunch of dots under the names, they're probably pretty strong plays. All right, let's see. Any other questions in here? Let's see what we got. Um, Take off the guys who aren't in an Philly anymore, so I could do that. So I guess we'll talk about this real quick. So Richard's saying to take guys off of off off of the floor, like James Ennis, who I think he's on like Orlando right now or something, or like maybe you take a guy like Xavier Smith off the floor, uh, and we can definitely do that. But that's going to make the sample smaller, especially James Ennis is a guy who's played you know 131 minutes in this sample alone. So taking him off of the floor, that's going to make the sample even smaller. So. In this case, it's not really a guy who I think is going to affect much. If, maybe if it was a guy like, like say we needed to take Josh Richardson off the sample, I would definitely do that because he's a guy who has a pretty high usage. Um, his rates are, are pretty strong. But with James Ennis, I don't think I feel the need to take him off because I just don't think he's going to affect anything. I, I think the only thing he's going to do is give us a smaller sample. And I, you know, the, the more sample, the more confident I am in, in these numbers. So that's the reason why I left a guy like James Ennis on there. All right, we're going to go look at um, the Trailblazers here. So we're going to take um, Damian Lillard off and run this one. And we're going to do this over the past month. So CJ McCollum with a 37% usage rate and a 1.33 fantasy point per minute um, production over the past month with Lillard off the floor over about you know 185 minutes. So, obviously, when you look at McCollum, I think this is a, a spot where you take away the price tag, you take away the name from the price tag, and then you look at the stats, and I, I think he's a really strong play. The matchup's not great by any means. It's actually a pretty tough matchup against the Pacers, but the usage that he has is just so high right now, and he's been doing so many different things as far as assists and rebounds. So, 20% assist rate and 14% rebound rate was a really, really solid numbers there along with the usage and the point per minute. So uh, yeah, I, I like McCollum a lot. I think you just play him or at least consider him, you know, don't, don't take him out of your player pool just because of the, the extreme price tag boost. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is the guy that I asked in. his numbers don't look all that great. Um, 5. 0.58 fantasy point per minute, 15% usage rate, not really a high usage guy. Most of the time he's just catching and shooting if he is getting shots up. But he's going to play you know, around 30 minutes with upside to play in the mid-30s. So I, I like him a pretty good amount if you're maybe not playing. Um, McCollum, I think it makes a lot of sense to have a guy like Gary Trent. You know, if he gets going, um, maybe he can take some shots away from McCollum. Uh, Reza's another guy who's I think is definitely in play. On uh, Fandle, he's extremely cheap, 4'8", same price on DraftKings, and he's low-owned. So he's going to be a guy who's, I think, definitely fairly priced. By no means is he overpriced, but also the ownership is not going to be anything too high on him. So I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh, So, yeah, we're getting some questions about Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle is okay, but it's hard for me to get to him because, you know, I play mostly on FanDuel. And I'm, you know, you got to play Anthony Davis or Al Horford or, you know, there's so many good power forward options. that I just don't find. I just don't see myself getting off of guys like that to get to Julius Randle. I do like the price tag on him and he does he's going to be a pretty contrarian play. So I do think he may, might be a, a solid tournament play. Um, but for me, I, you know, got a lock in Anthony Davis and then Al Horford's is such a good value. So I think it's tough to get rid of those, to get rid of those two, one of those two guys for, for Julius Randle. I don't really love the matchup for him by any means. Um, so I don't, I don't love it a whole lot. I think on draft you can consider it more. Where you can play him at center or utility or forward, you know, you can play him in a few different spots. All right. Um, what was the other what was the other big injury? Now I'm blanking on it. Oh yeah. LeBron, duh. How how could I ever forget LeBron? All right. So with LeBron off the floor so far this year. Look at these numbers for Davis. 30% usage rate, 1.54 fantasy point per minute. You often don't see big men with usage rates that high. So he's essentially going to be playing some center here. So center with 30% usage rate is pretty high. So I think he's I think he's just a guy that you just lock and load. Um, so Kuzma's kind of what I mentioned. When he's on the floor, especially when you take LeBron, up, take LeBron out of the rotation, out of the whole situation, he's going to be a guy who's going to be chucking up shots. So uh, the 5% increase of usage rate. Makes a lot of sense, but you know, this fantasy point for doesn't really go up too much because it all just depends on how hot he gets. When obviously it's a small sample size considering LeBron hasn't missed too much time this year, but those numbers do make sense. Obviously you have to consider the, the small sample, but I, I think they do make sense. Rondo, 17% usage, 1.09 fantasy point per minute over 85 minutes. Um. So yeah, that makes, that makes some sense as well. You know, he's, this is going to be, come down to what you want to project him for minutes. Obviously, Roto Grinders has him projected at twenty eight minutes. So if you think he's going to fall there, I think he's a pretty strong play, and especially on DraftKings, thirty five hundred on DraftKings. I think he is a really good play over there. But he he's also probably going to be the second most popular player on the slate, or or third. I appreciate all the guys in the chat hopping in there and uh, encouraging everyone. To hit the like button. I appreciate that. Um, What's Wiggins ownership for uh, DraftKings and FanDuel? Uh, let's just go check that real quick. I'm just glad uh, Devin's not hacking my computer anymore. Last time I did this pregame show, I couldn't even control anything. Devin was controlling everything for me. So uh, I can type everything now. Everything's working. Full systems go. Devin's not hacking me anymore. Uh, but yeah, DraftKings 21%, FanDuel 31%. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense because I think Wiggins might be the guy that people are deciding to bring um, their lineups back with, you know, I, I think pairing Anthony Davis with a warrior does make some sense because it's a four game slate. So obviously less, less players, less games to choose from. And, you know, if Anthony Davis is going to have that big game, this game's probably going to need to stay close and may, and you know, Wiggins can definitely do that for the Warriors. All right. Um, let's see. <laughs> Shrek asks, I know A D should crush it, but will he? <laughs> it feels like they might sit him. Why risk it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they were going to sit him, we would we would have heard more news. They officially ruled him probable, I believe. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about that too much. If it happens, it's NBA for you, but um I guess that is something to at least have in the back of your mind. But yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that too much right now. All right, someone mentioned T.J. Warren, and he's a guy that I've been considering as well too. I think if Depot sits, I feel a bit more comfortable playing him. Um, obviously, it's a good matchup. I think against Portland, they're gonna have guys like Gary Trent, C.J. McCollum, Carmelo Anthony leading their defensive charge, which is not saying a whole lot. Trevor Ariza is a good defender, but you know, I think. More more likely than not, you're going to see Trevor Reza on potentially Malcolm Brogdon or Al- Oladipo if he does play. So, um, T.J. Warren is someone that's interesting. He can he does have the upside any given night, so he makes he makes some sense from a uh, from a tournament perspective for sure. Finn or AD is probable daily on Fanduel or crushed if he sits. That is true, you know, but I I don't think you you can. Uh, Get too much stake into it. I think if if he's going to sit or at least be questionable, we had to just trust the injury reporting. You know, I know t- sometimes it's tough to do that, but I uh, I think he's he's probable, so we should just trust the injury reporting. How do you rate Sabonis tonight? Uh, I like him a pretty good amount. The uh, the thing that you know, obviously, the problem for me is he's power forward, so it's tough to get to him when you got Davis Horford on the slate. But he does make sense. The only reason that I I might be shying away from him a little bit is because I think Miles Turner could be somewhat interesting tonight. Uh obviously a, a pretty solid matchup here. The minutes have been really strong for Turner. Obviously he had the big game. Last game against Charlotte where he was pretty popular amongst the uh DFS community. Looks like he's gonna have ownership once again, twenty five percent, eighteen percent projected right now on the two main sites. And, you know, he put up forty two points. In 27 minutes last game, but he did most of it in the first half. So he's a guy who he can put up fantasy points quickly with all the blocks he can produce. So uh, it makes some sense to play Turner. Uh, for me, I think he makes sense on FanDuel where maybe he's not as popular. He, I think he would probably be the second or third highest on center. So I like him a little bit. Babe Thunder for GPPs. My favorite Thunder for GPPs is, um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think on FanDuel, I like SGA a pretty good amount. But on DraftKings, I would lean Schroeder. Uh, the price tag is just really cheap on him. And, you know, I don't think I'm playing Chris Paul on DraftKings too much. On, and on FanDuel, I think I'm going to have one value guy and then either one of Brogdon or Fox. So I probably don't play Paul. So I would say Schroeder or SGA. All right. So real quick, since it's a four game slate, I want to talk a little bit about strategy on, on potentially a four game slate, or this is something that can carry over to other slates for sure. But just a quick little strategy thought that, you know, I think it makes more sense to use this kind of thought on, on a, on a four game slate rather than on a 10 game slate, because on a four game slate, the ownership on these value plays can be very, very concentrated. So um, I think, it's an, it's an easy spot to find leverage. And also uh, you, you feel a little bit less risky. It feels like it makes a little bit more sense on a four game slate. So let's talk about um, Philly, for example. So we see the popular plays for Philly are going to be um, Tobias Harris and Al Horford. So I con- consider that they're going to be pretty popular. Um, there'll be a couple value plays that potentially benefit if these guys don't do well. So I think Matisse Stiebel is a guy that benefits if Harris doesn't do well. If Horford doesn't do well, I don't really know if there's anyone that directly benefits from that. You know, I don't think anyone could could take minutes away from him or anything like that. And um, he's a center, so it wouldn't like be surprising to see him not score twenty or whatever. So he's not doesn't really fit this mold as well. But for Harris and then for Richardson, even on FanDuel, Race popular, um, Thibault, Quirkmaas, and Burks are three guys that I think you know could potentially see bigger bursts and minutes or usage or production with, with some of these guys that are out. And it makes sense to consider them as leverage plays when guys like Harris and Richardson are going to be pretty popular. Um, same thing happens on, let's see what, what are the, the Lakers. So Rajon Rondo, we talked about, obviously there is other plays that we can go to in different games. You know, we can go to shake Milton, who I have some interest in. There's some other value plays that we can go to on, on the Sixers, but you can, you know, if you want to take a risk on it, get some leverage on a guy like Rondo playing a guy like Kuzma makes sense. I think as, as a pivot off of Rondo and then Caruso as well, obviously Caruso is a decent permanent guy, but you know, looking at the, the minutes projection 28 and 18, I think that is a good minutes projection, but I think, it could go either way. It could swing. Maybe Rondo plays, let's say, 24, 25, and Caruso picks up those extra minutes, or maybe Avery Bradley doesn't see all these minutes, and Caruso picks up some minutes, and projected at 1% ownership. Playing a guy with that with that kind of ownership with instant leverage off of a, of a chalky play makes a lot of sense on a four-game slate. So doing things like that, um, and then you don't even have to do it you know, as a value thing only. You can do it. Uh, as just looking at the most highly projected players, um, you know it's tough to picture who would benefit from Anthony Davis not doing well, or you know maybe some foul trouble. Obviously, I think it'd be Kuzma or Morris to benefit from minutes being picked up from him. But um, overall, it's hard to picture other people stepping in his place and producing for him. So that's kind of why I think he's such a good play. For McCollum, I talked about it. Gary Trent could be a guy who picks up a few extra shots. Uh, Or Carmelo Anthony could get some shots up as well if maybe McCollum isn't shooting shooting too hot. Um, Let's see, who else can we talk about? Uh, Chris Paul, I talked about. SGA and Schroeder, those are guys that can get going if he doesn't do so well or if he busts. So just finding those leverage plays, I think, makes even more sense on a four-game slate because there's less places to go to. There's less optimal plays, I think. So have, finding these leveraged shots, it, it feels a little bit more – it doesn't feel as crazy when you're doing this, doing this on a four-game slate. Uh, Rondo is 49% on Fando, 54 on DraftKings, and then Wiggins is about 30% on Fando, I believe, and 21% on DraftKings. 31 and 21 on DraftKings. All right, so that's a little bit about you know my strategy on – a four game slate, like I mentioned, you can take that theory and apply it to any any slate, you know, a ten game slate, a six game slate, whatever. But for me, I feel a little bit more comfortable doing things like that on a four game slate because I, the opportunity cost of maybe playing a guy like let's say Alex Cruz or Cork Maz or Burks, um, the opportunity cost I'm giving up is not as high because there's not, you know, a handful of other games going on that have other good value plays and whatnot. Uh, Barnes. So Barnes is someone that makes sense as he's just a guy that, you know, he's going to get the minutes. I think Bar- Barnes and Bazemore and Bielitza, the three B's from, from the Kings makes sense. Um For sure. I, I probably don't get to Giles on draft Kings too much. So maybe I guess Bielitsa, Bazemore and Barnes would be the other guys outside of Fox on the Kings. Is Kuzma chalk. Uh, I don't believe so. We don't have him projected as chalk right now. Um uh, Let's see uh, 10% on drafting. So no. All right. Any other questions? Uh, I'll answer those before I head out going to head out in about two or three minutes or so here. I appreciate you guys tuning in as always every, every day, every weekday, 11 a.m. We're going to have this pregame show so far. I think it's gone really well. It's a good start to the day. I think, you know, for me doing it, being able to you know hop on and talk about slates with you guys is a lot of fun. And also it's you know efficient for me because I get to, I guess, in more detail, talk about a slate or some strategy, which I think always helps me. And also being able to watch guys like Tuttle and Blender and Mangone and Britt do these morning shows helps me a lot as well. It gets me going for the day, gets some, some um, strategy rolling to the brain and whatnot. So hopefully you guys are enjoying this pregame show as much as we are enjoying doing them uh, as always if you could please like and subscribe over on the youtube uh helps us out helps me out you know like i mentioned i gotta get those bragging rights over mango Mangone is always in my dms saying that he gets more likes than me and you know the cyber needs to stop guys So i just need to get more likes i gotta get those likes so i can just tell Mangone to to kick rocks but yeah there's a lot of fun doing this hopefully your guys golf lamps do well i'm, I'm pretty sure d Train's going to take down a golf contest this weekend um So, all right, I'm looking for any last questions. I don't see any. So if Miles Turner again, I feel like he might disappoint. That's true. You know, anyone can disappoint any given night, but I like going to Miles Turner if he's not going to be too popular. If he's popular, I think it's it's a solid fade because, like I mentioned, there are, you know, two or three other centers that I like. But if he's not going to be popular, I think he could be interesting. It's a good matchup for him. All right. Well, that's going to do it all. I'm just kidding, guys. Mingo's not actually a bully. He just he just messes with me about my likes and whatnot. You know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But that's going to do it for, for Kyle, myself, D-Train, the producer, the pregame show, all the Roto-Grinders contributors. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one and good luck tonight.